0: Scribes Journey is supported by our patrons. Join them today at patreon.com scribesjourney.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Scribes' Journey podcast, where stories begin. My name is Travis J. Croken, the Calm Scribe.
0: I'm LJ Stanton, the Pedantic Scribe.
2: And I am T.R. Alby, the Oddball Scribe. Fantastic. How are you both doing?
0: I'm alive, which is saying something right now.
2: Oh, my God. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you
0: know, going, yeah. doing well. Going.
2: My goodness. Yeah, uh, and I'm doing well. It's a nice day, and um, I did not go outside at all. So I just stayed in and hid. It was fantastic.
0: Hanging out in your writer den.
2: In my writer's cave, as my wife labels it. Yes, my hideaway spot You know, from all things in life other than this. So, yes, Uh, it's a depressing and happy place at the same time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So my office is actually officially called the Scriptorium. And there is a Ooh. sign above it because the scriptorium back in the old days is where the scribes would go and do all the work. They weren't in a the library. They weren't in an office. It was officially called the scriptorium. So being a calm scribe, I work in the scriptorium. But yeah,
0: I like that word, scriptorium. The only thing on my door when you get into my office is a sticker of the meme that is the you know the dog and the fire like <laughs> that does the, this is fine, everything's fine. That's the sticker on my office door.
2: Oh, is it the one that he's sitting there with a cup of coffee? It's a cup of coffee. Okay, it's a cartoon dog. I thought it was an actual dog on fire. And I was like, what do you have on your door? That sounds (laughs) horrible.
0: We don't do animal abuse in my house.
2: No, that's why I was like, what fire dog are you talking about?
0: I was on TikTok and there was a bookstore owner who was talking about the fact that they really, it drives them nuts when people constantly do the, instead of now killing the dog, it's always killing the cat and how that's really upsetting to them. And they wanted to know if there was like a place that you could look for that kind of stuff. So now it's the, there's like booktriggerwarnings.com that you can go to, to look up things like your trigger triggering content warnings. When and if you need to put them into your book, which you'll know if you've talked to a sensitivity
1: reader. And along with sensitivity readers come beta readers. These are two very important readers. They come after we've dealt with alpha readers in the early stages of writing. The beta reader is coming in when everything is edited, not quite perfectly polished, but it's in really good shape and has a pretty good build of what the final book is going to look like. Before we jump into what are beta readers, why are beta readers important?
0: I can't do my job without beta readers. Beta readers are one of the most important members of my team. I would say that the only one who is more important is my editor. Beta readers help work through problems with me. And I know a lot of authors ask for different things from their beta readers. So you do have to have good communication with them but my beta readers help me make sure that the story that I've written actually hits the beats that I want to. So I'm actually at this point right now with my second book and it was great because two of my beta readers got back to me about a couple of scenes that very much did the, you know what, you're not doing this character justice and we want to see more, we want to see better, we know you can do better. Uh, And on the flip side, they also then told me the like these are scenes that are amazing and we will quit if you touch them. And do anything to them, especially if you cut them. They help so much when you've looked at your story so often that you're now getting to a point of being like, either I don't like it or I don't know how to fix it. You know, When you get kind of tired of looking at it because you know the story too well or when you find yourself kind of skimming when you're reading it, they are the fresh eyes that can help find the things that you're missing.
1: Beta readers are the unpaid heroes (laughs) the literary journey i find that for myself my beta readers are just as what lj said are just as important in making sure that the story is going along as you want it to go out there's no plot holes there's nothing that you've missed for example my current work in progress i changed one of the characters names and i also changed they were to all have an alter ego so there is potential for three different names to show up for one character I do my best to make sure that all gets taken out. But sometimes something slips through and that's where my readers come through and they're invaluable. When you're having that moment of crisis, like LJ said, when you no longer like the story because you stared at it for so long, they're the ones that come back and say, yeah, you're right. That was terrible. Or that's fantastic, but you need to fix these things. So my stories are not complete until they have gone through beta reading and other reading as well. But we'll get into that as we go along.
2: And so this, is, this is kind of where I'm not yet there, right? I'm not to that point. I'm still editing. So they just basically go and read through and try to catch things that you haven't caught or maybe alpha readers, if you're using those, have not caught. You're just kind of there to figure out exactly what parts work and what parts don't. It's kind of like a
1: consumer test market. They're a group of people that are going to get early access to your book for free They get to read it and they get to have the excitement and energy of participating in the building out of the story. But they go through the story and they make sure that the timeline is succinct, that the character arcs are okay, that all of your storylines tie up properly. You haven't missed anything major, you haven't contradicted anything. It makes sense. There's no flat points or dull points in your story. Your pacing is laid out properly. So they basically are the first readers to read through your story and to do whatever they can to break it for you so you can go back and fix it and make it even better than it was. Writing is not a solitary art. There's no way that writing is a solitary art from when you're rolling an idea around, bouncing it off of people, discussing your idea with people, right down to the beta readers and it's not solitary. You need these people to make the book what it needs to become.
0: They're very important because you want people to tell you more than just a "I enjoyed it" or "You suck." So those are not good beta readers. You don't want somebody who's just going to sit there and just trash on your book because like, of course, it's still trash. It hasn't gone through a lot of the cleanup to make it good. It's still missing pieces. But you also don't want somebody who's just going to sit there and be like, oh, it was amazing. Okay, well, what did you like about it? I just everything. Okay, well, you can't fix something like that because (laughs) that's not true. It's not completely amazing. There's something wrong with it. Your ideal beta reader is not somebody who's just a yes-man and it's not somebody who's trying to prove that they are intellectually smarter, better, et cetera, than you are. You want somebody who is able to do the like, here, this is constructive criticism and constructive critiques, and also will be gentle with your ego because we know how fragile so many of us writers can be. And especially if this is your first book that you're sending to a beta reader, it can be very scary. So you do want to have a beta reader that you trust that is not going to just be like, these are the 20 million things you did wrong, that they will tell you, these are the things that you did right. Because of course, you don't want to end up changing things that beta readers fell in love with And then find that out when they review the finished, full published copy of your book and do the, well, this scene that I loved wasn't in it. And I really just didn't enjoy the book as much anymore.
1: I personally always recommend people to have beta readers and in odd numbers and at minimum have three beta readers. Because if you have just one, that's not really a good sampling. You want to have... A couple of people or more to be able to look at your story and if you have two that say this scene is fantastic and one that says this scene is terrible you weigh whether or not you're going to take the advice or what you are going to do with it because just because a beta reader says something doesn't mean you're necessarily going to take that and move forward with it when you're doing it um, it's your choice ultimately as the author as to whether or not to take the advice and i always recommend using friends and family because they usually want to be there but they're not going to give you the most honest critique people that are just avid readers and people that actually are either authors or have some knowledge of the literary industry that can do exactly what LJ was saying. So having a variety of people coming in with a variety of different skill sets is important as
2: well. I like the fact you said three, because again, if you have one that says the scene is great and the other one says the scene is shit, and then the third one is kind of like the tiebreaker at that point. But what if you get, you know, one that says it's it's okay, it's good, one that says it's bad, and the other one says it's indifferent. How do, you, how do you make a judgment on a scene at that point if you're only using three? Because it's a rule of three. I'm so going you know, back right. to another podcast right here. There you go.
0: Yeah. Uh, I love having a phone call with my beta readers when they're done with it and so that I can discuss any and all of their feedback and that helps me solve those problems because then I can delve a little bit deeper into a comment that they make and find out, okay, well, you were indifferent about this scene. I've heard some mixed feedback about it. What do you think is this feedback fair, is that feedback fair, you know, and kind of go into it too with the people that left, say the really good feedback, do the, okay, well, let's dig a little deeper into this. Why did you love it? Or why did you like it? And then for the person who didn't like it, the, okay, like, how did it not work for you? What about it really just wasn't good? Because sometimes in working through those statements, you're going to come to something really cool. So I've had that now with a couple of my beta readers. One of them will say it's great. The other one will say it's terrible. And I'll find out that it's like, okay, it's not even this scene that is great or terrible. It's the character development leading up to it or something else leading up to it. That If I tweak it just a little bit, then it's going to make the scene amazing for the person who liked it and make it good for the person who didn't like it. I'm a huge proponent of having really good communication with your beta readers so that you can have a good discourse afterwards to find out what their solution is to any and all of your problems.
2: Do you normally have a set number of beta readers you look for as like a a rule of thumb?
0: I don't, Um, my beta readers, I don't tend to look at from a numerical value. I look at them from an experience value. So I use my mother. As one, because she used to be a teacher and she proved very early on that she's honored by the fact that I am willing to give her my books to read, but she's not going to sugarcoat feedback just because I'm her daughter. She will tell me when something is terrible and she'll tell me when she loves it. It's the same with my husband. My first book, I gave him my beta read edition. And he got through I think about four chapters of it handed it back to me and said, this would be a great book if you actually wrote it. This is an outline. It was funny because he was he's a very funny guy. So he made sure to tell me it in a way that was funny. But it was also a very harsh critique. And it was really important. So that's kind of what I look for is people who are willing to be that brutally honest with me, because I really appreciate that. And it doesn't hurt my ego because I feel like we're all on the same page trying to make the best possible book. This time around, I've got another two beta readers. And my sister was also one from last time who also just she does basically dev edits and beta reads. And she does her own big special what I call the Noel edit. And it is amazing. (laughs) Um, But this time around, I've also got two people who loved the first book. One of them is also a sensitivity reader for me. So that all helps a lot.
2: It's interesting you gave it to your husband. Like I gave my wife my first draft and um, she was like, I can't even read this. Just just handed it back to me because she's very blunt. Like I would trust her to do that. She was also an English teacher. So when it comes to making sure that things are grammatically correct, like none of the things were, she was the type of person that will sit there and say to me that this is crap. This is good. This is bad. I don't like this part. I could trust her like that. My little niece might. She is a very avid reader, and she is um, she's twelve. And hello, Pip. I know you're listening. So that's right around in the mid grade type uh, range, which would be a good sample for me, I think, as as a beta reader. And she's brutally honest, and she actually wants to become a writer. So you know, for her to read and see and experience that might give her a little bit of uh, what she could expect from down the line. Other family, I, I just wouldn't trust with it. No offense, <laughs> family, if you're listening to, I just, I just you know you're just too kind-hearted. I need too someone sweet. to tell me to be, yeah, too sweet. You need you need to be completely brutal with me, and I'm okay with that. One Not of that the anybody. things I
0: really like that you did bring up there is the fact that you know your your niece might be able to be a good beta reader, and part of that is because you are writing mid grade, and that is something you do want to keep in mind when you are looking for beta readers. Is like I write gritty dark fantasy. Right. I I'm not gonna go and look for somebody who reads Cozy Mysteries to read my book because they're gonna hate it. And that's fair because it's just not what they enjoy reading. But that also means then that I'm not gonna get useful feedback for my target audience the way that I need to change the book. Because if I follow what a beta reader who doesn't read the genre might say and tell me to do, it might mean that I change something that's really important, or I might omit things that are important because I wasn't focusing in on my target audience.
2: So you mentioned sensitivity readers before. What is the difference between a beta reader and a sensitivity reader though?
1: I bring my sensitivity readers in actually well before the beta reader stage. I tend to have them lined up. As soon as I realize I need a sensitivity reader, I have them lined up as I'm going through the story. But a sensitivity reader is going to be someone who belongs to a community that you do not belong to, that you need to write in. And they are going to come in and make sure that you're not using inappropriate terms. You're not writing anything that's going to be harmful or offensive or problematic. And that what you're writing is actually accurate and on point with what you're doing. And that you're being sensitive to all the communities that are involved within your story.
0: I tend to start talking to sensitivity readers once I start realizing I need to get that research done. So for me, I needed to talk to victims of domestic violence, victims of sexual assault. I needed to talk with physically disabled people, which is kind of convenient because I do actually fit into that group. But I did want additional opinions outside of my lived experience. Even though I'm writing fantasy that is, you know, it's completely made up. It's a, you know, shy call, obviously doesn't exist. But because I was pulling from Middle Eastern elements and pulling from Southeast Asian elements and African and also pulling from the Abrahamic religions in a lot of ways, as well as some Hinduism, I made sure that I spoke with people from those different groups as well. And now one of my beta readers, as I said, is a Southeast Asian American Muslim man who has been able to help me use the word like jihad appropriately and make sure that, you know, no one is going to be sitting there reading it going like, oh, this dumb white lady doesn't know what she's talking about because you don't want to have people having that kind of poor experience.
1: That's exactly it. Anything that is not in your wheelhouse and lived experience that could potentially be problematic is where you want to consider or look into bringing in a sensitivity reader. And it's not censoring yourself. It's not censoring your work, uh, because there are some people that think sensitivity readers are a form of censorship. I personally disagree with that. I think it's doing your due diligence and doing your research to ensure that you're
2: creating an inclusive environment for your audience? I'll be honest, before we we started our podcast journey, you know, I never even thought that I needed to get a sensitivity reader. You know, maybe that's just, again, my inexperience, which makes sense. You know, I never got to this point where I needed it. Even with mid-grade novels, even with I'm not sure. Maybe picture books. It really depends on the situation here. I mean, if I look at the picture books I've written I've written, right? It's about a dragon and a mouse. I can't find a dragon and a mouse to sensitivity read about, you know, whether or not this is right. There's no I don't know,
0: Ted. I think you're just not trying to find a dragon hard enough.
2: Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you tried contacting you, Stuart? I mean, he's a pretty smart mouse. Oh uh, well, true. But for the mid-grade novel, I definitely might. I have to read through it a little bit more and see exactly where culturally this would fit
0: i do want to say i don't think every story needs a sensitivity reader i do think everyone needs to use beta readers but sensitivity readers are not necessarily required for every story so yeah I can definitely imagine some picture books that could have benefited from a sensitivity reader. I can remember a handful of them, even from when I was a kid, that are certainly not politically correct now that I wouldn't go out and buy my nephews, even though I loved them as a kid, because it's just the language is no longer correct. We've been taught better and therefore should do better. But there are some things that when you just do enough research, you don't necessarily need a sensitivity reader
2: for. You know, with that said, I think we've mentioned beta readers and sensitivity readers, and I kind of touched on we kind of touched on alpha readers once, right? I said my, I use my wife as an alpha reader, but are there any other right type of readers that are out there that you know myself and the listeners should be aware of?
0: I personally don't use any others; I just stick with my beta and my sensitivity readers. What about you, Travis?
1: I do use others, but not in the same manner as a sensitivity and a beta reader. If I've had experts, my pocket experts, come in to help me write a war scene, write something to do with, you know, the military or something like that, basically any scene that I've called in experts to work on, then I will give them those scenes and anything surrounding those scenes just to make sure that I got that part right. Oftentimes your experts are too busy to go through and beta read an entire story. So that's something that uh, the only other version of a reader that I will have is my expert readers, and that's just uh, verification. So there are a lot of different readers that you can use. We have covered the alpha readers, the beta readers, and the sensitivity readers as mainly. And we're going to pause right now for a brief break. And when we come back, we are going to discuss the specifics about beta readers and sensitivity readers and how do you get them? How do you work with them? What are your expectations? So we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, everyone, and we're here to continue our conversation
2: about beta and sensitivity readers. As we were taking a break, I was thinking about this. Right, we had talked about what sensitivity readers are and what beta readers are, and briefly touched on alpha readers. But you know, I for besides using like your friends and family, how do you find beta readers and sensitivity readers? Lj, you you one of your super fan readers you met them somehow how do you find these readers i'm assuming it's probably also different between beta and sensitivity readers right
0: yeah sensitivity readers i tend to i like you can look at fiverr as one area um honestly i looked through book talk on tiktok and found a sensitivity reader that i'm going to work with in addition to my current one I got really lucky that I was able to meet a handful of people via actually Twitch and Reddit to do my reading for me, my beta reads. If you go into various writing and reading communities, you usually are able to find people that would be very interested in doing this for you. A lot of readers get very excited at the idea of getting early access to a book. I mean who doesn't even if you don't know the author like if somebody goes onto to the r fantasy subreddit and says hey i'm looking for some beta readers these are my qualifications for it like if you fit reach out to me you're going to find people and then it's going to just be an interview process
2: I was going to say, somehow you have to like make sure that they're at least competent to be able to read and to be able to understand exactly what your expectations are. But I got to ask, so I know a lot of authors also have Patreon. I've actually seen some authors saying that if you're a patron, you are first in line for a possible beta reader spot. Is that something that you guys have used as well? or? So for myself personally, I've not done the Patreon stuff.
1: That is something that I can see possibly factoring in. I generally in the past would do an all call. If I needed a beta reader, I would go out and like LJ said, go on social media, go on Reddit, go into different places and just say, this is the book I'm doing. This is what I'm looking for. Is anyone interested? And get names that way. For Waxfield Productions, I'm creating a beta reader application section, where you can go in and apply to be a beta reader, and there's different genres, different sections that you can go into, and questions so you have to answer to qualify as to, am I qualified to be a beta reader? And then I create that, because I use beta readers not just for myself, but also for my clients. I build out beta readers for them as well. So then I can go and have a pool that I can draw from and say, okay, this is a space science fiction story, and... I know I've got this group of readers that are interested in that kind of thing. And then I can send out a specific request to that list and say, this is the book I've got going on. Who's interested in reading it? And also doing the other methods of social media and doing what I deem an all call for beta readers. And then there is the process of the interview of actually discussing with them, looking at their answers, weeding out who's eligible and who's ineligible, and then having that conversation for why do you want to be a beta reader? What do you think you're going to be able to offer as a beta reader? It's like a job interview that you would go through for that.
2: So I know you said you're setting this up for Waxill Productions on your website, but you, I know you guys mentioned Fiverr before, and there's other websites that are similar to that, but are there any other websites that you guys are aware of that authors can use?
0: Not that I'm familiar with. So if listeners do know, leave a comment, let us know, send us an email, because we'd love to end up putting that out and make sure it's available for people. You can go to Goodreads and see if there are beta-reader groups. You can also take a look at, I know that there are, for me, like sci-fi fantasy groups on Goodreads that you can go to that I'm sure if I went and emailed the person in charge and said, hey, would it be okay if you put out, if I gave you this information, would you put out a call for beta readers for me? Another place that you can look actually would be your library. Going and talking to your local librarians they will know people who would be interested. They would know book clubs that maybe would be interested even. There are probably local writer groups that even if they're not really super local, even if it's just like your county, that probably would be able to help you out too. Even if it's just in whether or not they can help you with beta readers or if they can recommend beta readers. And that kind of networking is really important too.
1: So when it comes to beta reading services, I'm not aware of any off the top of my head. You have to be careful not to conflate it with critique sites because there are critique sites that will critique a section of your manuscript, a scene up to a chapter. They usually will cap at like 5,000 words. They're not going to critique your entire manuscript. And I agree definitely with LJ. If anyone out there knows of any or familiar with any, let us know so we can do some links to this as well. But other than that, I will go into those communities. Um, Reddit is a fantastic place to find people that are willing to help. And that's the thing with communities, especially marginalized communities. They will jump at an opportunity to help make sure that their community is expressed and portrayed properly. And to help build up something for their community, especially if it's a community that is often inaccurately represented or not represented at all. It's true.
0: It's quite true. You wouldn't think that people would want to open up to a stranger about things like their traumas. But when you say, like, I know I put out an open call on Twitter and Instagram saying, hey, I'm working on a sexual assault scene. And I want it to not glorify the crime. I don't want it to be rape and torture porn. I want it to be here for the victim, so that we're not losing sight as the reader on who this is affecting and why this is terrible. And I had people all across the gender spectrum come forward to me and say, hey, this is what my PTSD is like from this event. This is how my body shut down during this trauma and those kinds of things so that I could write something that would be as difficult for someone who has not had this happen to them to read without it being something that just turned into a, well, this is just now somebody's fetish. Um, And the other thing though, to be careful with is make sure you get a sampling because no one person is a definitive expert on their marginalized group. And especially when we are looking at online resources, always verify, always verify, because you want to make sure that if you are talking to somebody who is in a minority That it is actually a minority person on the other side of the screen, that it's not just a, well, this person on Reddit said that they were from this minority, but oh crap, they were lying and now I've done everything wrong. So you do have to be careful and that's why a vetting process is very important.
2: Okay, so you just said the vetting process and before you were talking about the interview process of beta readers and sensitivity readers. Do you prepare like a list of questions for them to fill out? Is it like a form that they have to do? And not like through your site, though, Travis, or like what you're trying to set up. But like if you get someone, let's say off of Fiverr. I like what you said, LJ, about when you're interviewing them, you want to have a phone call with them. Is there a way you guys interview them? Do you provide them with uh, what to expect, what your expectations are? most definitely
1: that's something that i always do where there are the questions that go out of how many books do you read per year how quick of a reader are you you know finding ways to ask questions about how they're able to give feedback or if they've given feedback before if they've done beta reading before and also asking opinions on if there's well-known books within that genre you say have you read this book if so what was your opinion on it what was your feedback on this book and you can do there's little things that you can do like in the psychology exams You're not trying to trip them up, but there's questions that when piled up together will kind of give you a good example of what this person's perspective is, what their background is. You also know how to set those expectations from that reader and how much weight to put on some of the feedback that's coming from it. But there definitely are what I call the qualifying questions and just the get to know you questions that go along with beta reading.
0: Yeah. I don't have generally a set number of questions or set specific questions that it's like, oh, I want to know X, Y, Z answers. And if I don't get them, then you're not going to be able to beta read for me. I like having a conversation with them. So if it's someone whom I am approaching and saying, hey, would you be interested in beta reading for me? Usually that person I'm approaching, I'm asking because we've had conversations where I have already found their critical opinions on art or stories or anything like that to be thoughtful, engaging, and something that made me think. Or it's somebody who you know, I've t- already talked books about and we can just nerd out about books really, really well, even if we don't always have the same opinions. I don't necessarily require people to have been beta readers before. I love it if they have been, but if they haven't been, what I want is for them to have a love of stories and not be afraid to be critical of them, but critical fairly. So I will talk to them about the fact that, you know, I'm looking for feedback that will be telling me more than I just say, I don't like this. You can write down something like, I don't like this. I'm not sure why it's just not working for me. But I want more feedback that delves deeper into it. I don't want that to always be the feedback that I'm getting from you. So with sensitivity readers, I want to know, will I do harm by what I have written? Right. I don't mind traumatizing readers in the fun sense, you know, the way that we all joke about the, you know, you show something that is gross and scary and awful. And it's the, okay, well, that was awful, but it's not leaving any lasting, horrible scars. I want to make sure that I'm not perpetuating violence. I'm not perpetuating a stereotype that is truly negative. So I want to be called out on that. That's what I want a sensitivity reader to do. I don't want a sensitivity reader who's just going to be like, yeah, that was fine. I want a sensitivity reader who's very much not afraid to say, you need to go and read these other books to see how this is done well because you did it poorly. So it's that kind of feedback that actually lets you build up on that is so important.
2: Travis, do you look for different feedback or something similar to like what LJ is talking about? Similar to what LJ is talking
1: about, but I do have some things that I want. Uh, but that's where I like to have people that are avid readers or are somewhat involved in the industry or familiar with the industry that can look at it and say, what do you think of the characters? Who do you like? Who do you hate? Do the scenes work? Does it overall work? How does everything fit and flow together? And is there a sense of continuity? And also, were you hooked at the very beginning? Did it keep you hooked going through? Did you find the pacing was good? At any point, did you lose interest? Did you feel it was overwhelmed? It was too much? How did you feel when you wrote this? So just the overall reader experience for the story is really what I'm looking for. So Ted, thank you very much for all the questions that you had with Beta and Sensitivity Readers. You did a fantastic job at guiding us through what can be kind of a quagmire-y subject. And beta readers especially are an integral aspect of your writing process, and sensitivity readers is an extremely important part of your story, depending on what you're writing and if you have a need for the sensitivity reader.
0: I think that sums it up nicely. Betas are absolutely necessary and it's well worth putting in the effort to find good ones because they're kind of like your editor. If you get really good ones, they'll stick with you if you're writing a series from beginning to end and they can do a lot of really important work for you. And those sensitivity readers are going to really help in this day and age to make sure you don't end up going down into some black holes that are not good places to end up.
2: And I got to say that as far as, you know, as a learning experience for me and some of the listeners probably who have not gone down this path, I think this has definitely been very useful because you've kind of clarified what the difference is between a beta and sensitivity reader, why they're necessary in the process, because you want to make sure that whatever you're producing is the best quality you can give your readers. And this is a pivotal step to get that manuscript to a point that is ready to be published.
0: And that leads really well into our writer's prep for the next episode, which inputting suggestions that you get from beta and sensitivity readers can be really hard. So to prep for your final revisions, The best possible thing you can do and what we hope that you will do is to find a safe way to accept the critique that you've been given, whether that's read them with chocolate, take a walk after you've read some particularly difficult feedback, but find a way that works best for you so that you can take that feedback and use it with the spirit that it was intended when it was given to you.
1: Critique can be very difficult. Remember, you can find out more about Scribes Journey podcast and what is going on with the three scribes by visiting our website at scribesjourney.com or by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at scribesjourney. Journey. So with all of that from the three of us, thank you for joining us for this episode. Now go sharpen your quill and get back to writing. this episode of scribe's journey has been presented by waxial productions incorporated and remixed by tr albe